0: Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. Today we're continuing our series called Dream Junkies. And of course, as we said the last couple of weeks, everybody has dreams. Uh, You may be new to this church. You may not even really know if you believe in God yet, but you have dreams. And yet, as big as our dreams are, God has bigger dreams for us than we have for ourselves. And God wants us to live our lives chasing the dreams He has for us. In fact, we've of course uh, said that really what He wants us to do is to be a dream junkie, somebody that's addicted to seeing His dreams come to pass in our lives and in the lives of other people as well. And so, the first week we learned that God is a big God and He gives big dreams and that to live those dreams, we've got to know God through our experiences. We've got to find freedom through relationship. We've got to discover our purpose through exploring, and then we've got to make a mark through serving. And then last week, we stated the fact that really to live the dreams that God has for us, we've got to have the right values. And so we began to share some of the values that we hope define us here at FX Church because we understand that if these values define us as a church, if these values define us as individuals, we're going to live the big dreams God has for us. And so last week, value number one was that Jesus is our message. Anybody talk to someone about Jesus this week? Amen. And so we learned that we ought to be telling people about what he has done for us. And then number two, that people are our heart, that we ought to live to see other people truly experience the future God has for them. Today I want to go to number three, and that is that relationships are our passion. Relationships are our passion. You know, I looked at the word passion, and it's a strong or extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or desire for anything. So relationships are what we're supposed to be fond of, what we're supposed to be enthusiastic about, and when we do that, when we have that value, when that's how we are, that's what defines us, we're in position to really live the big dream God has for us. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 2. Let's dive a little deeper into that. And of course, in Genesis chapter 2, we read about God creating the earth. We read about God creating the man. And if you remember, if you've ever read Genesis chapter 1, you know that the Bible talks about how God would constantly say after he created something that it is good at the end of every day it would say God saw it and it was good but in verse 18 we read this then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone somebody say not good good. wait a minute up until this point God's been saying it's good it's good it's good God wants things to be good notice that but for the first time in the history of this planet, God looks at something and notices that is not good. And he's saying it's not good that the man would be alone. And don't forget the man had God. So he wasn't alone in that he didn't have any other relationship What God was referring to, that it wasn't good for the man to not have other men, other, man, other people who are part of mankind to be with him. So we need a vertical relationship with God, but we also need horizontal relationships with each other. Alone equals not good, right? That's how God sees things. And so he's saying, man, it's not good for the man to be alone. And in this case, he goes on to talk about, I'll make him a helper who was just right for him. And so his answer was to give him his wife. And that's one of the things that God does to make sure that we're not doing things alone. But just notice that alone equals not good. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, it says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls, what's that word? alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm? What's that word? Alone. And a person standing, there it is again, alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So notice that he's telling us that two is better than one. It's better to do life with another individual than to do life alone. You know, I love basketball. I remember when I was uh, around 12 or 13 years old, we had a house on the east side, and summer came, and uh, I had a couple friends that lived a couple blocks over. In fact, you know, one of them, he's, he's here at the church. He's a part of our ex our team, and, and so they would come over every once in a while, ride their bikes, and play basketball with me. But there are a lot of times where they couldn't do that. And I would just go outside and, you know, I love to play basketball. And I ended up discovering I had a neighbor about two houses over. He's a couple years younger than me. And we ended up hanging out every day, playing basketball every day the entire summer. And that happens to be the summer that I went from being an okay basketball player to a really good basketball player. I literally came from, went from scoring like, you know, a few points a game to my first game at 25 points, you know, just from that summer. But I, didn't, I would not have gotten there if I had spent the whole summer trying to play basketball by myself. I mean, you can't play basketball by yourself. You can practice by yourself, but you can't play by yourself. And that's how life is. You know, you, you, there are some things you can do by yourself, but you're never going to become what God wants you to be. You're never going to enjoy life like God wants you to enjoy it if you're doing life alone. I like something that one minister said. He said, the first problem in the Bible was not sin, it was solitude. And that jumps out at me because when you think about the first problem, you immediately think about Adam and Eve partaking of the fruit. But no, the first problem was solitude. It was not good for this man to be alone because he could never accomplish the mission God had for him. He was never going to enjoy life like God wanted him to enjoy life. And the same thing is true for you. It is not good for you to do life alone. God's plan for you, God's plan for me, God's plan for all of us was to have authentic, life-giving relationships with other people. Life is better when we live it together. It is better when we do things in relationship rather than when we do things alone. All right, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24, notice what Paul says. He says, let us consider one another. Now, this is actually interesting opening of scripture. So I I can just back up a little bit and, and mention that Paul was saying a couple of things here about, you know, what we should do now that we have access to Jesus. So he says, let's come closer to God. Let's hold fast to our faith. And then let's consider one another. So let's look up. Let's look in. Let's look out. Some of us look up and we look in, but we don't look out. And so he's telling us here, consider one another. The word consider means to observe fully, right? It it means to, uh, and when I'm considering somebody else, I'm looking at them. I'm examining them. I'm paying attention to what's happening to them. And God is telling us here, we ought to be doing that with one another. One another. One another. One another. The idea here is that we're supposed to be paying attention to what's happening in each other's lives. And he's telling us here, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So I ought to be paying attention to what's happening with you so that I can encourage you to walk in love. I can encourage you to forgive when you need to forgive and to care when you should care. And I can encourage you to do good work. So I can encourage you to pray. And I can encourage you to serve. And I can encourage you to give. And I can encourage you to chase after the dream God's put in your heart. How many know that if you don't pray, you don't give, you don't serve, you don't chase after the dream God's put in your heart, you'll never reach your potential? Right? And so one of the things that helps you to reach your potential, that helps you to live your dream, is when you have somebody in your life that's kind of egging you on pushing you, helping you to go forward, and there are times when we need that. There are times where we want to just throw our hands in the air and say, I give up. Anybody ever been there? And there are times when we're just lazy. Now, you're not going to raise your hands about that one, but I know the truth. And there are times when we get too distracted by other things get too caught up in the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the video game or, or, or social media. And, and what happens is we're taking time that really should be used to chase after this dream, and we, we're, we're not using it in that way. And this is where other people come into your life because they can help you to make sure that you're staying on track. But you need that. The Bible talks about in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: Iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens his friend. That tells me something. That tells me that, you know, if I had a sword up here and I wanted to make it sharper, I could not do that without another sword. I mean, I can speak to it. I can praise God. I can dance. It doesn't matter. I need another sword for this sword to be sharp and that is how you are. You will never be what God called you to be, and you never live the dream God has for you if you are only by yourself. You need other believers with you, people that are God-fearing, who will sharpen you, which means sometimes there may be a little friction. But you you need them so that you can be sharp. And so that's why he's telling us here, we ought to consider one another so that, you know, we're able to walk in love, and and do good works, and ultimately live the dream God has for us. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, and the word there is together. As the manner, and that word manner just means the habit of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So he's telling us here that we should not be deserting... That's what the word forsake here means. We shouldn't desert. We shouldn't skip out on those times when believers come together. Thank you for those two amens. (laughs) You know, FX Church, we come together every Sunday morning. FX Church, we come together in groups every week. And so he's telling us, man, you should be there. You should be there. You should not. It's not good that if your habit is to skip those times. That's what he's telling you, right? Isn't that what he just said? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, as their habit is. He's saying what they're doing in terms of skipping church, skipping groups, skipping times when people come together is not good. It's not good. You shouldn't skip. Now notice the word habit because it it, it implies, you know, something you do consistently. So it's one thing to miss something every once in a while. It's another thing when it's your habit to come to church once a month. So you miss three weeks out of the month. It's your habit to never go to a group, but go once every blue moon. And see, it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church because we're stepping on some toes. But it's the Bible, and that's, why, that's how you end up separate. And how you, when you get under attack, there is nobody there to help fight with you. You don't have a threefold cord that can fight back, that can push back the enemy because you, nobody really knows what's happening in your life. You haven't developed enough of a relationship with them to, to, to feel comfortable in even sharing with them when you're struggling and when you may need help. I was listening to one minister and he said this, he said, many people never get to intimacy in relationships because they won't push through the insecurity. To get to real intimacy, you've got to go through insecurity. I've got to let you see me. It's into me see. You get it? Intimacy. And that's scary. I don't want you to see into me. So let's be honest. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to let you see the real me if I hardly ever see you. I hardly know you. I'm trying to remember your name. I'm not going to tell you, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is where I'm at. Pray for me. I'm losing my mind right now. I'm about to go kill so-and-so because what they did to my kid. Come on now. And we all have those moments where we, we need to be encouraged to do the right thing. But because we haven't taken the time to even be around believers, we, we don't have the relationships we need to keep us on track. And so he's telling us, don't skip those times when believers come together. We actually, he goes on to say, we ought to come together more and more and more the closer we get to the return of Jesus. What's happening in general in the United States of America is that church people are coming together less and less and less. And so when when I came up, you didn't miss Sunday morning. I mean, it was once every blue moon. You know, you might have something happen. You might go on vacation once or twice a year or something. You might go visit another church. But it was, you can't, you went to church. The church was going to be there. You were going to be there. We were there Sunday morning, Wednesday night. When I grew up at my dad's church, you know, we used to have super Sunday night. So, you know, we'd have that Sunday. It'd be one, it'd be one service in the morning, another service in the morning. And we'd be back that night. Then we'd be there on Wednesday. And don't let the church do something else. Friday night prayer, we'd be there too. And nowadays, come to church once a month, once a week, and I can't do that. What's going on here? What's happening is while Satan is attacking us more and more, we are actually weakening ourselves more and more. We've decided to become isolated. We've decided to become loners, and loners don't have success. They don't live the dream God has for them. We have to do what the Bible says. Somebody say the Bible. Because I know people have their ideas and their mentalities, but sometimes you got to get past this, this God complex that you know better than God. You don't. He made you. He made all of us. And he knows what works best. In James 5, 16, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There he, there he goes. Confess your faults. One to another. Your faults? I don't have any faults. See, you, there you go right there. You got some faults. need somebody to tell you the truth about yourself. Well, you're false. You know, your side slips, your errors, whether it's unintentional or it's intentional. He said, man, there ought to be some believers in your life that you're actually talking to, and they know what's going on with you. If nobody in your life knows what you're struggling with, you're doing this wrong. And guys, we're in particular guilty of this. We're typically loners. And I've shared this before, that one of the things that I, I, I struggled with when I left college, I played on the college basketball team for two years, and, you know, you just get, and I've been on teams my whole life. So, you know, you get used to being around guys, and, you know, you're messing with guys and talking with guys, and y'all talking, and y'all doing stupid stuff together, but you're together, and then you grow up, and then sometimes what happens is you don't have that time anymore. That was a natural thing for you, and now you have to be intentional about doing that, intentional about getting around guys and around the right guys. And David says in the 101st Psalm, he talks about how I'm not going to hang around people that are deceitful. I'm not going to hang around people that are arrogant. I'm not going to hang around people that are wicked. I'm going to choose to find faithful companions. But you have to be intentional about that. You got to say, hey, let, me, let me find out where those guys are and let me connect with them and let them be my new team. Because there should be, because I got to do the Bible. I've got to confess my faults one to another. In fact, there's a whole bunch more one another's in the Bible. So I got to do all of those things to live the dream God has for me. I I need to be be passionate about relationships. You know, if you want to be fit, right, we, we, we learned there's two things you really need to do. You need to eat right and work out. Most people do one or the other if they do anything, right? Well, you know, you plus God equals nutrition. You plus God plus others equals muscle mass. You get it? You got, we gotta, We got to be passionate about relationships. we got to make a decision that that's that we're going to do. Because godly relationships just make things better. Real life change happens in relationships. Think about this. You probably can't name the last five sermons you heard. But you can name five people who impacted your life. Yeah. Because... Your relationships are really what's going to drive things. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 that he who runs with the wise will be wise. So you, you, cannot be the be- you cannot get the best of God without including people in your life. You must have a deep commitment to relationships. And as a church, that's a decision we made four years ago. When we first sat down and started talking about the dream of FX Church, we asked a question. We said if there was one word we wanted to define our church, if people were to describe our church, what would be the one word we would want them to use? And we said relational. And we've had to work and try to change some things and and, and keep fighting for that because we've recognized that relationships are everything. We want to be the kind of church. In fact, one guy said this. He said, growing churches make community and connection the goal, not content consumption. Dying churches keep trying to push content consumption. So we believe in getting you the word, you consuming content, but we recognize that really for you to live the word, you've got to have some real connection. You've got to be connected to other people. You've got to be in relationships. So I pray that our church is a church that in this season, everybody who says this is my church gets connected relationally. Not only shows up on Sundays, but gets in groups, gets together, and serves together on first Saturday serve. You know, finds a way to to really get to the place where you have intimacy with other believers. I mean, my dream is really for us to be the most connected church in this city. Anybody else else want to dream that with me as well? Yeah, man, that's that's what God wants us. So relationships are our passion because we, we know that relationships are everything. All right, next one. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 21. Just giving you our values as a church because if we live according to these values, we're going to see the dreams that God has given us come to pass individually and as a church family. Number two, giving is our joy. Giving is our joy. Proverbs 21, 26 says, Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly love to give. So those who are wicked are those who are just thinking about themselves getting more for themselves. Those who are right before God, the righteous is what the King James calls them. They are individuals who are thinking about and enjoying giving to others. They enjoy giving. I mean, the right, to be right before God is to be a giver. But it's not just to be a giver. It's really to enjoy giving. To find your joy in giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, Let each one of you give as he's made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do a giver whose heart is in his giving. So, this is what God sees when he he sees someone that he's, he's thrilled with. He sees someone who loves to give. Someone who was joyous about it, excited about it, looking for opportunities to do it. In fact, Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good. Of course, the context here was about giving to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So God's point, painting a picture of us not living to get, but living to give. Because we think giving is fun. And he's painting a picture of us actually looking for opportunities to give to other people, especially people in need, because we love God and we love people, but also because we enjoy it. You know, I was reading the book Total Money Makeover again by Dave Ramsey, and I would highly recommend that book to anybody, everybody in this room and that's watching us online, particularly if you're uh, Well, I would say, number one, in this time where our economy is just going down and down and down. But also, if you're in financial trouble. And he told this story. He actually told a couple stories, and so I'll read this one, though. It says, we have all seen these powerful examples of giving. USA Today followed a guy who called himself Secret Santa at Christmas for several years. Secret Santa walked the streets around Christmas time and gave away $100 bills. Nothing required, nothing expected. Sometimes he gave to people in need, and other times he just gave. Every year he gave away around $25,000 in $100 bills. He started this tradition years ago in his hometown of Kansas City and moved out across America. He gave in New York after 9-11 and in Virginia, Washington, D.C. area after the sniper attacks. He just walked around and handed people $100 bills, and he got some fabulous reactions and heard some wonderful stories. In the late winter of 1971, he worked as a salesman, and when his company went broke, Santa found himself broke too. He had slept in his car for eight days and hadn't eaten for two days when he went to the Dixie Diner. He ordered and ate a big breakfast. He waited for the crowd to clear it and acted as if he had lost his wallet. The diner's owner, Tom Horn, who was also the cook, came over near the stool where Santa had been sitting and picked up a $20 bill and said, son, you must have dropped this. Santa realized later that Tom had planted that 20 to let him out of a sticky situation with his dignity intact. As he drove away, Santa said, thank you, Lord, for that man, and I promise if I ever have money, I will do the same. Well, in 1999, Santa, now a very successful businessman, looked up Tom Tom Horn, now 85 years old, in his home of Tupelo, Mississippi, Santa recounted the story of the hungry young man in 1971 while standing on Tom's porch in a Santa hat. He asked Tom what he thought that $20 would be worth by that time, and Tom laughingly said probably $10,000. Santa then handed Tom $10,000 cash in an envelope. Of course, Tom tried to hand it back, but finally Santa won out, so Tom deposited the money in the bank. He said he might need, to take it, need it to take care of his wife, who has Alzheimer's. Horn said of Secret Santa, he doesn't want any thanks or praise for what he does. He does it out of the goodness of his heart. And after giving to dozens of people a few Christmases ago, Santa said, isn't it fun to lift people up and see the smiles on their faces? I think I know why this Santa gave. He gave because it is the most fun he can possibly have with money, and you will never know until you try. Giving is fun. You know, I, I've told this story before, but years ago, uh, I was moving into, I believe it was my first house. And I still had furniture left from when I went to college. And it was nice furniture. My parents, you know, when I went to school, I actually had a basketball scholarship. They didn't have to pay for, you know, my, my tuition. So they, they hooked me up, hooked up my little apartment. And so I had nice white leather furniture. Y'all might remember when that was actually worth something. And um, some other stuff. And, and, and now I'm moving into a new place, and I didn't need it. So I remember calling my mom and I said, hey mom, do you know somebody in the church that needs new furniture? And she was like, yeah, I know this this one lady. And the lady, it was a single woman, she had three kids. So on moving day, you know, of course, you know, moved everything into my new house. And honestly, by the end of moving day, you know, everybody has a bad attitude. Can anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody got a bad attitude. You love them in the morning, that night you're like, get away from me. I don't wanna see nobody, right? So, I mean, I was kind of there. I was kind of ornery, but, you know, we were done, and I took the truck over to this woman's place, and, and I, I'll never forget it because, you know, in the doorway was the woman and her children, and they were little, and they were jumping up and down, and they were so excited. And so then, you know, all of a sudden, a smile comes on my face, and I didn't feel like smiling, but I did then because it just, it just did something to me. So me and a friend of mine, we, we went ahead and took the, the couches and all the stuff out of the truck. And we, we brought it in and said, where do you want us to put it? And the kids are just running around. They're just so happy. And the mom's just smiling. Put it over here. Put it over here. And, and, and so we did. And, and we left. And we were like, you know, hey, God bless you. And they're just so happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, I don't remember anything else about that move. I barely remember where I was moving to. But I remember that moment. It was fun. There's something about giving that just causes you to be filled with joy. In fact, there was a medical study done years ago where what they did where they were actually monitoring the pleasure centers of the brain of, those, of the candidates. And what they found was that when those candidates received, their pleasure centers lit up. But when they gave, they lit up even more. So it is literally a psychological fact, a physiological fact. That when you give, you enjoy that more than when you receive. And of course, Jesus said it this way. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So one of our values has to be to tap into that, to recognize that giving is our joy. So we look for opportunities to give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we have a great example of this. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches and Macedonia. I love how the message translation says this was a, these were surprising and generous ways that God was working through these churches. Of course, the churches of Macedonia, the, the main one that most of us who are, have been around a little bit know of is the church of Philippi, the Philippian church, a giving church. And so he says here, look what God has done. They're being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Wait a minute. This church was going through it. He says, man, they were going through a very tough time, and they were very poor. So they're going through a tough time, probably going through persecution, understanding how things were at that time. Because of their faith, we don't really get that as much in America because we have some persecution, but the average person doesn't deal with it as much for their faith. But we did deal with a little bit of that when it came to the vaccine." And to this day, if you don't have the vaccine in certain circles, you know, they, they, you lose your job and all kinds of things happens. So th- that gives you a slight picture of what they probably were dealing with during this time, being canceled, cut off from society because of their faith. And then they were very poor. Paul shows up and he's coming to minister and, and do all those type of things. And, 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 and as he's ministering, they find out that he's taking up an offering from all the places that he's visiting for the saints in Jerusalem because a famine was coming to Jerusalem and they were concerned about those people. This church gets wind of that and and you would think they would say, "Um, can you take offering for us too? We're poor too, Paul. Hook us up. Instead, the Bible says they're abundant joy. Joy about what again? They were going through tough times. They were very poor. Joy about the fact that Jesus had saved them. that they, That church was started in a prison. And I think that's symbolic because that's exactly where those people were spiritually. Bound by Satan, sick, deceived, depressed, going to hell, but then they heard about Jesus and he saved them and all of a sudden they had joy in their hearts. They could have healing in their bodies. They had a future to live and heaven was their home. And I don't know about you, but I can say myself that because of Jesus, my entire life is different. My entire life is not what I see in the world. I've got joy. I've got peace. I've got purpose. Come on now. Can anybody say God has been good to you? Jesus has been good to you. You ought to have joy unspeakable and full of glory just because you have Jesus. And if you don't have them, you can have them today and have a joy and a peace you have never known. So they had joy in the middle of all of that. And because they love him so much and they wanted to find a way to give back to him and they wanted to be a blessing to these people, they were super generous. Paul says they gave not only what they could afford to give, they gave more than they could afford to give. In fact, he says they begged us to take it. Who's begging to give while they're poor? And I really think it's interesting that they had to beg. I mean, Paul must have gotten to the place where he said, hey, hey, I, I know y'all want to give, but I see where you're at. You guys might want to keep that. And like, no, no, we want to give. Yeah, but, but you know, y'all, y'all struggling. You should just keep. The- no, we want to give. And, you know, we, we want to make sure we're a blessing. And he finally said, okay. And, of course, he later on teaches the revelation that when you sow, you'll reap. So you don't want to stop somebody from sowing. If you do that, you'll keep them from getting the harvest that they need. That's how God's power gets to work in their financial lives. But this church was to that place where they actually were more focused on the needs of others than they were on themselves. Even though they had significant needs. And that's a really good example of, of how we should be, that we should not be so focused on ourselves that sowing seed, which the Bible calls giving, sowing seed, because seed is designed to multiply, so when you give, God's going to multiply your return. But we shouldn't get to the place where we're so focused on ourselves that sowing seed is an afterthought. Well, once I did this and did that, and did, okay, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'll, I'll give a little something something. No, that's not... That's not That's not how you treat your other joys. I mean, You push stuff away so you can get to your favorite TV show or go on a date with your your new boyfriend or go shopping or go to the game. Wow, all those things give you happiness and this is something that gives you joy beyond that and it, it pleases God and it helps other people. So this is not an afterthought. This is a priority. In fact, I get it so I can give it. What do you mean by that? Acts chapter 4, notice something that happened with the early church. One day we'll get here too. There were no needy people among them. Because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So what happened with the early church was that, you know, anybody that had received harvest and, and had wealth, a lot of them were taking some of the extra they had and selling it so they could turn around and pay off the bills of their other brothers and sisters. Woof. I've seen a couple of churches do this recently, and that's amazing. It's powerful. I've always said in my heart, one day we're going to do that FX church. We're going to find out who has a need, and we're going to bless them. And we're going to have so much fun doing it. Because we understand this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says, let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands that which is good. Why should he go to work? Why should he get a paycheck? That he may have something to give to him who has need. So he, he understands the goal isn't to get. The goal is to give. We get it to give it. We get it to give it. We get it to give it. Giving is where our joy is. Giving is where God is pleased. Being a giver is how God can cause you to receive a running over return and you live the dream God has for you when you choose to cause giving to be your joy. You know we got a video we want to show you that just to help you to see how at FX Church we're making giving our joy.
1: We are here today putting some clothing items together for a young lady and her two kids who lost everything due to a house fire. So we are putting some things together and getting ready to bless them. So we were actually rushing out to get dad to the emergency because he had broken his nose. So the baby didn't have shoes on. We didn't have anything but the clothes on our backs. Got a call about an hour or two later that our house had caught on fire and that we needed to come immediately. When I got here, the whole house was smoky. Everything was dark. You couldn't get in, the windows were blew out. The fire department had boarded up the house, the kitchen windows, the bedroom windows. They had to water down everything. So what isn't smoke damage, is water damage. We did lose everything and we are trying to start over from here. Hi Chantel, how are you? hi i'm doing okay i'm doing okay thank you how are you good 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 i am raylonda and i am uh one of the ministers over here at faith experience church and we just wanted i just wanted to call and tell you that i heard about your situation we are here right now um finding some items for you and your kids um and also i just want to let you know that we are praying for you Amen. and we are here for you and i just want to let you know we love you Thank you Faith Experience for everything that you have done. This has been a huge help for me and my family. Having a good relationship with God and actually opening up my mouth and reach out to the right help and being a part of a church and a community that is willing to be there for you. I am very happy that I have the support through this time because I was alone, I felt alone. And I just thank God that I have the family and Faith Experience to be there for me and God has put me in the right place with the right people at the right time.
0: Amen. Look what you did, right? That's what we're about as a church family is that we recognize here. We get it to give it. And giving is where our joy is. Giving is our joy. Amen. All right, so Daniel chapter 6. Just talking about the values that we have. Number one, relationship is our passion. Giving is our joy. You know what? I might just stop there. Hmm. That's all right. We can stop right there. Come on, let's just, I'm going to do something different. First of all, just lift your hands toward heaven. Let's just thank God for the opportunity to give let's thank God for all those times God has had people give to us thank you Lord thank you Lord for those times you spoke to people to give to our lives and we're excited about the opportunity to pay it forward to give to others to be a blessing to others to show them that you love them Be able to to make sure that giving is what's motivating our lives. Glory to God. I want to challenge you this week. It's two things that we talked about. I want to challenge you to actually take some steps to enter into relationship with another believer. Find your way to a group this week. That's a great, you might say, where do I find somebody? Well, you know, you start at church. It's like people, when they, t- they say, I'm single, I want to get married, where do I find somebody? You ain't going to find them in the club. Thank you for those three amens. That's only four or five. <laughs> come on now, you, you come to church. You want to find somebody that's right and living for God? You know, you want to get around God's people. Do I need to preach on that right now? Y'all, it's quiet in this place. Do we need to start over again? Oh. No, you, you, get, around, you know, get around where God's people are. And so, you know, this week, take a step. Even if it's picking up a phone or going to a group or talking to somebody after service, establish, start taking the first steps. It takes time. It takes time. Nobody's, people are not going to be a best friend in three weeks. Okay, it takes time. But you got to start. You got to start. So get around some guys, fellas, you know. Uh, come to one of the men's groups, men's basketball, something like that. We got all kinds of groups. Or ladies, get around some Ladies. And begin to develop relationships and then everybody find somebody to give something to you may say all I got is five dollars give him two dollars watch how much fun it is watch how much fun it is and then watch God give you a multiplied return on your giving amen glory to God thank you for the word of God Father, so every head bowed, every head closed in prayer no one moving or walking or talking unless you've been assigned to do so we talked a lot today about the dream God has for you and what that looks like right, it's one where you, you got relationships, you got friends it's one where you're, you're enjoying the giving and, and there's so much more God wants you to be a part of his family He wants you to, first of all, have the joy of being one of his sons, one of his daughters, of knowing him, the certainty of knowing that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. If you've never chosen to follow him, if you've never believed in Jesus, I want to help you today to make the greatest decision of your life. So many of us would tell you it was the greatest we ever made. Want to help you to, to do the same thing today. Someone else might say, You know what? I used to follow Jesus. I used to live right. I used to go to church, do all those things, but I, I just I'm far from God again. Well the Bible teaches us that God still loves you. It tells the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. He started in his father's house, but well, then he got away, went out and did his own thing, and then he realized after a while. That all those things that he wanted to do he felt like he was being prevented from doing because he was in his father's house weren't all that great after all. The Bible says while he was sitting there in a pigsty he came to himself and decided to go home and he was welcomed home with open arms and you might be sitting in a pigsty right now. Maybe looking at your life and saying this is not what I hoped. this is not what I expected, this is, this is not it and you're right it's time to come home time to come home. And if you didn't make a decision to get right with God, he will welcome you home with open arms, and we will too. And so I've given two very simple invitations. The first, to choose to follow Jesus. The second, to get right with him or come home to him. If either one of those invitations apply to you today, if you want to say yes to God concerning either one of those areas, I want to encourage you right now to be bold and to slip up your hand. Go and lift your hand right now if I'm talking about you. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today, you want to make heaven your home, lift your hand. Or if you want to get right with God, lift your hand. If you're online, go ahead and lift your hand anyway, even though I can't see it, because it's not about me seeing it, it's about God seeing it. But let him know, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to live the, the dream you have for me, to be your dream junkie. We thank you for it, Father. I see that hand. Well, if you raised your hand or you know that you should have raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something else as well. And that is to pray a very simple prayer with me. I'm going to have you pray it with me out of your mouth and from your heart and then I'm going to ask everyone else to do it with you as well. So repeat after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today to give you my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I confess with my mouth jesus as lord and believe in my heart that god has raised him from the dead i repent of sin i'm sorry lord i turn away from it and i receive you lord thank you lord for hearing my prayer for answering my prayer and for saving me now And father we thank you for those that have prayed this prayer for the first time and others who have chosen to come home to you We thank you that because of their heartfelt decision, they're a part of your family now, which means that all of your benefits belong to them. So we ask that your your power work in their lives, causing them to win in whatever situations they happen to be facing right now. Father, I pray that you help them to know you, to find freedom through relationship, to discover their God-given purpose and to make a mark in this world. And we give you the praise and glory for it all in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give a round of applause to those that made that decision. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience Podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.